Today's podcast is brought to you by Helion Technologies, the largest IT service provider exclusively serving the unique needs of automobile and heavy truck dealers for more than two decades. To learn more about Helion, please visit us online at heliontechnologies.com. Welcome to Helion Bite Size, where auto and heavy truck dealers can get short, digestible pieces of IT insight and advice. I'm your host, Jeff Mason. With passage of the new FTC safeguards rule, there's lots of questions about the rule's requirement of dealers to either implement continuous monitoring or to perform annual penetration tests and semi-annual vulnerability assessments. Today, we're going to try and clear up some of this confusion. With me as usual is Eric Nachbar. Eric, as most of you know, is founder and president of Helion Technologies, and he's a certified information system security professional who's been working with dealers and dealers only for more than two decades. So as you know, dealers um, have been asking a lot of questions about the new FTC safeguards rule. And there seems to be some confusion about the purpose or the intent of the rule, right? I mean, uh, there's there's a lot of people out there that are talking about um, simply creating a stack of policies and procedures. And there's, a, I think, a, um, an understanding or a belief that if people did that, then they would comply. So I think that before we get, before we get into the, the meat of this, let's talk a little bit about what you believe the intent of the rule is. Well, I, I think that's a, a very important question to answer for dealers, because a lot of times you look at these rules and these federal rules and state rules that come out, you know, the dealers look at this and say, OK, well, how can I just comply with this thing? Because these these rules wind up being costly and there's questions about, you know, it, it does it make sense? And so dealers are always faced with new rules, new things to comply with. Right. And so it, it becomes exhausting. And I, I kind of refer to it as as rule fatigue. Right. Dealers just in the 25 years I've been working with dealers, it seems like there's always something coming at them somewhere that requires more effort more money and has nothing to do with selling cars. And I think, you know, dealers should be cautioned when they look at these FTC rules and don't think about it that way. Don't think about these rules as just something to check off your list and something that can be uh, complied with by some, you know, magic formula, you know, pay some fee for a few hundred dollars a month and now you've got your rules, right? That's just not what it is. The way to think about these rules is how do they make your business stronger? And the reality is, is that cybercrime over the coming years is going to be a $10 trillion a year industry. And in our experience, and, and we're out there with over 750 dealerships, right? We're seeing what's occurring with about 30,000 dealership employees every day. What we're finding is that dealers are under constant attack. They really are. Um, we're seeing dealerships. We we had a, a dealer group come to us in need of assistance. Four stores, very successful organization. They were down for an entire week after a successful cyber attack. So if you look at the intent of the FTC and these rules, right, the safeguard final rules, the intent is to protect your business and to protect consumer information. But ultimately, I would say, think about it as protecting your business. The cyber criminals are here. They're here to stay. 
They're constantly evolving their methodology. It's only going to grow and dealers need to protect themselves. So the way I recommend looking at this is first protect your business. While you do that, you will also be complying with the safeguards rules. Our clients didn't have to do anything new when these FTC safeguards final rules came out. They were already doing it because ultimately they're just requiring sound practices for protecting your business. They're not telling you to put a bunch of things on paper. They're saying, here are the things to do to protect your business. So their, their intent isn't to be um, a pain in the ass and make you jump through a bunch of hoops, creating plans and policies. I mean, plans and policies are, are important, but the intent is for you to actually do something, for you to actually do something that protects consumer data, right? It is. And, and I will add to that and say, not only is that their intent, but if you look at the things that they're requiring that businesses who handle consumer data do, they actually match up with cybersecurity sound practices, right? If you look at all of the different frameworks of how businesses protect themselves, right, from cyber attack, this matches up with all of that. This is not novel. They're not coming out with new stuff. This is tried and true ways to protect your business. And it's not a bunch of policies you can check off and put in a binder and say, now I'm protected. It's ongoing. And, and that's what we're obviously going to talk about today. Okay. So with, with that intent in mind to actually implement and do something to protect consumer data basically to protect your business, your reputation, your finances. Let's talk a little bit about some of the, the best practices, the best, most effective thing that a dealer can do in order to meet the intent of the FTC safeguards rule. So let's talk about um, what I believe, and tell me if I'm wrong, what I believe is, is the most effective practice that a, a dealer can undertake is continuous monitoring. What, what Talk a little, bit, a, a little bit about why is continuous monitoring so effective and, and what is it? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, Jeff. And continuous monitoring it is, if you look at all the different things they say, right, again, going back to the intent of how do I actually secure the system, not how do I create a checklist of things I do or that I did. The notion behind continuous monitoring is that it assumes that the attackers are going to get into the system. And if you look at, you know, the stats on that, the the they're pretty scary. The, the number one stat I always think about is the average time that attackers are in the system before they're detected is 180 days. And we've actually, again, with clients, we've identified attackers that were in the system that were doing things that hadn't launched an attack yet. And we were able to, to you know, thwart that before it started. And, and the way that that works is, is that you monitor the entire computer system to see if anyone's doing things in that system that they shouldn't be doing. And really, historically, the way that was done was with antivirus, right? So you'd click on a virus. It was, it was you know, bad software, basically, that would do something unpleasant. Like, we all remember the ransomware software that would lock up your files. Well, antivirus was software monitoring for other software. The idea of continuous monitoring, the, uh, the thought process behind that is if we monitor the systems, then we can see attackers if they're attacking. That's really the core to it, and then we can stop them. But it presumes that they're going to get into the system. And the thing you have to think about, really, when you're thinking about monitoring at all, is that 
the attackers are constantly evolving and they're changing their tactics. So ultimately to say, well, I'm going to look for this one thing or this one software, it doesn't work because they know what we look for and then they change the approach. So you always have to be monitoring that. That's really the, uh, the, the kind of big picture thought behind, you know, why you monitor and can do it continuously. Right. So you said something that that's um, that's really important. And I just I want to make sure that that people don't overlook it. You said that dealers should assume that they're all going to to get attacked. It's it's just it's a matter of time. Right. It's not if it's when. And so if if we have the um, the posture um, if I'm a dealer and I have and I take the posture that I am going to be hacked, I'm going to be attacked at some point in time, then then the best way for me to reduce the uh, um, the the impact of the attack or to eradicate the attack and, and not have any impact at all is for me to detect it early and stop it quickly. And so early detection and quit and swift remediation requires continuous monitoring, right? I mean, if if I'm yeah. not monitoring continuously, and I'm only and I'm only sort of checking out my system at certain points in time, then I, then I'm missing, the, you know, then I'm missing the opportunity to stop something in its infancy. Am I am I correct about that? Yeah. Well, there, there's two parts to that, Jeff. The first part is, you know, this presumption. I mean, I've I've talked about this for years of presume that they're going to get into the system. Can you detect them? And I've had, you know, I've had dealers when I'm doing presentation on this say, well, if they're going to get me no matter what. You know, why don't I just get good insurance? I mean, they're going to get in, right? And, mm-hmm. and kind of throw their arms up, which I understand that way of thinking. Well, you can reduce the possibility of them getting in. You know, I mean, so and then and then you can actually detect them when they're there and and greatly reduce or eliminate the damage they can do in an attack. Um but the notion of, of continuously monitoring is it's almost like the notion of do you do an annual audit on your books? Sure. And you're going to pick up things that are wrong, but you also have a bunch of checks in place and things that you're looking at and watching that you can detect as it's occurring that something's wrong, right? I mean, you're mm-hmm. not going to balance your checkbook once a year or, you know, reconcile your credit card statement once a year, then it's too late. You need to catch those things as they're happening. And that is absolutely the case with cyber attackers. Right. So when we talk about continuous, this means 24-7, 365. It doesn't mean all day, nine to five, Monday through Fridays, right? I mean, the, the cyber attacker is not going to hit you during business hours. Right. Yeah, so that that's one of the keys is it, and and if you understand how continuous monitoring works, kind of the big picture of of the pieces that get put in place is everything on a computer network, you know, ha- records the activities that are occurring on that, and you might have an activity like you log into your email system. Well, there's nothing notable about that, but if you log into your email system from Philadelphia and from you know, Beijing, that is actually pretty notable. And that's the kind of thing that continuous monitoring looks for are behaviors that don't make sense. And once a behavior like that occurs, and if we take that example a step further, that would actually get put in front of somebody, right? A person, a cybersecurity expert that has, you know, 
expertise in threat analysis and hunting for these attackers and what types of methodology they employ. And in that example, that would get put in front of somebody and they'd immediately sign into the email system as a, you know, administrator and lock your mailbox out and give you a call. Those types of things, when these attackers do that, they typically make those types of moves in the middle of the night. Because that's, you know, in the time zones where they're making those attacks, because that's when things aren't going to be spotted. And once they launch something like that, they'll have hours to put things in place where nobody's looking. So it, it is actually essential that you're doing that ongoing monitoring and that you're doing it 24-7, 365. Now, if you look at FTC rules, one of the things that in numerous ways they require are continuous monitoring. They're very clear on that, that you need to capture everything that's happening on all of the computers. You have to analyze it. You have to monitor it and be in a position to take action immediately. So they're very specific about that, that you have to do that. So I have a couple of questions about um, how how uh, continuous monitoring works. But before before we get into that, um, I, I think that people who, who are listening will be, I don't want them to tune out thinking, oh my God, he's talking about something that's tremendously expensive. Um, it's something that, uh, you know, a, a small dealership like mine would, would never be able to afford. So is that true? It's not true. I, I, I've heard that actually get repeated numerous times now as, as FTC safeguards are getting talked about. And frankly, I'm not really sure where that notion is coming from that it's expensive. This is one of the beauties of the consumeration of kind of consumerization of business software where you can buy monitoring based on the number of computers you have. And typically it's a few dollars per computer. So if you're a small dealership and you've got, say, 100 computers, for a few hundred dollars a month, you can buy the most sophisticated 24-7 monitoring that exists by, you know, top cybersecurity monitoring providers that can actually be reactive and everything else. Helion provides that type of monitoring for our clients, and it's a few dollars per month, and, and they have tremendous protection. It's probably one of the most cost-effective cybersecurity protections you can put in place for your company. It's because today, continuous monitoring is being offered as a service. So the cost of the Security Operations Center, which I'll, I'll talk to you about or ask you about in a second, and all of the software that you use in order to, um, um, to, uh, to help the people within the, the Security Operations, Operations Center do their job, that cost can be spread amongst a wide variety of different organizations when you're offering it as a service, right? That's exactly right. Yep. Okay. So, so, so you you mentioned um, some of the expertise that you know uh, people that have ex expertise in malware, reverse engineering, incident response, digital forensics, th threat hunting, all of that. Those people are within a security operations center. So, talk a little bit about. Um, what the security operations center is, what those people, and you touched on it a little bit, what those people in the security operations center do, and then the software that they leverage in order to, um, to make them effective. So, so for instance, when you talk about um, capturing information from a variety of different systems and logging information, talk about a little bit, yeah. I mean, without getting too, in too detail, the software that, that facilitates yeah. 
the capture of all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I'll let me not get too nerdy, but there, there's really there's the people and the technology. The the key thing that I think we all need to understand and appreciate about the people that perform this continuous monitoring because it is performed by people is that they're security experts and that that is a completely different type of expertise than IT operational people, right? So your typical IT guy, your typical, you know, help desk person, they're not going to know very much about what the cyber attackers are doing to attack the system because they're constantly evolving. Uh, You have to stay on top of that. That is its own world. So that's what the security monitoring folks are trained in is how to spot and hunt down these attackers and what they continue to do. And then what they need to do once they identify these attackers, how to stop the attack. The the software that is occurring is they've got, um, you know, very sophisticated technology that is called threat intelligence technology. And what they're doing is they are capturing all of the logs. So everything that every computer and network device and email system is doing, they're capturing all of that and then analyzing it to figure out, you know, are there attackers in the system? So it's really a very sophisticated combination of computers and people. Let's let's get into the difference between continuous monitoring and penetration testing and vulnerability assessments. I know that that uh, the FTC safeguards rule talks about either continuous monitoring or annual pen testing and semi-annual vulnerability assessments. Talk about what penetration testing is and what vulnerability assessments are. I think that there is, without a doubt, confusion about those two um, elements of the, of the rule. Yeah, there's definitely confusion on those two parts. And, and, and you know, the, the definitions tend to get convoluted. I'll give it to you very simply. Penetration testing are good guys, right? Good guy security experts. And and I can't overemphasize that. They need to be security experts, right? That know how to do this and understand what the attackers are going after when they try to get into your system. A penetration test are those good guys simulating an attack by the bad guys on a computer system. So it's interactive. It's done by people. It can't be done by a box you plug into your network and, you know, remotely by a computer. It are security experts simulating attack on the system. A vulnerability scan is a programmatic scan. So it's software that gets run on the computer system that goes and tests for open, you know, vulnerabilities. So, you know, bugs in software code that are typically patches get applied, you know, to to, uh, compensate for errors in code that were done by the software developers, vulnerability scan goes out and, and via a program tests to see, you know, do the do vulnerabilities exist on the system? Now, the thing is, even with a vulnerability scan, you need security experts to analyze it because a vulnerability scan will come back with a tremendous volume of data that typically only certain pieces are really relevant, right? So it might say, hey, you've got a printer that has an old version of software on it that really isn't relevant, where the fact that you've got a, a server that is you know, authenticating people onto the system has vulnerabilities, that's a huge problem. So you need to be able to hone in on what those are. So both of those technologies require experts to run. The other key thing to those technologies is they're a snapshot in time. So when you run that scan 
or you perform that penetration test at that moment, right? So let's say you do it annually or even semi-annually. At that moment, you might be able to identify vulnerabilities. But for the next six months, the attackers or 12 months are coming up with new ways to attack the system and thwart the security measures in place. You have no idea what they're going to come up with. And the whole point is they're coming up with things that you haven't tested for yet. So it's, it's you know... I. A penetration test is good. A vulnerability scan is good. I, I'm not saying you shouldn't do them, but I'm saying don't do that and think that by doing that once a year, uh, you're you're you know you're protected because I don't believe you are. You've just identified some things at that moment in time that were vulnerable. Right. So the vulnerability assessment is for a technical audience. So if you were to run a vulnerability assessment, but your dealership didn't have a cybersecurity expert on staff to um, to review the results of the assessment, the assessment would be, I mean, you could say to the FTC, hey, yeah, I, I ran, I ran a, I, I run a, a, a vulnerability assessment every six months. I don't do anything with it. I right. Can't it's all, it's almost what, worse. <laughs> right. I right. can't figure it's out what it, what it means. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Here's my, hey, here's my failing grade you know, on my pen test or my vulnerability test. And, and right. yeah, I put that in a drawer, I, I but I did right. the tests. <laughs> right. Yeah. It makes, makes total sense. So continuous monitoring real time, all the time, vulnerability and, and um, pen testing, although they, they're valuable. If you have the right people that could look at it, make sense of it. Um, and then, uh, and then implement things that, um, um, that address the the concerns that they bring to light. Um, those are yeah, just a I mean, snapshot in time. I would say that if you were going to choose, I would say choose the continuous monitoring that is done by a, a reputable company that then can direct or assist even a, a, an IT person that has, you know, base skills and say, hey, go look at this, go do that. Your system's under attack. I mean, ideally you have more infrastructure than that, but getting a pen test and a vulnerability scan back and not having the expertise on what to do with that, it, you're not helping yourself. <laughs> right, right. Um, okay. So, so that was really, really helpful. Be before we end, any additional advice for, uh, for people that are listening today? Well, I, the number one thing I would say is let's not look at this FTC safeguards regulation as a pain in the butt. Look at this as an opportunity to protect your dealership. These cyber attackers aren't going anywhere. They're only getting stronger. They're only getting better. They know dealers have money. They know they have customer information and they're going after dealers and they're successful. So the things that this rule is requiring are the things you actually need to do to protect your dealership. So that's the way to think about it. Don't think about it as I need to accumulate a folder with a bunch of checklists in it and policies that I've printed out. Sure, that's part of it too. And you want to make sure you have those, but really think about what are the few action items that I need to do to protect my dealership. And you know what? It's not as bad as you think. The things that need to happen aren't actually some insurmountable, you know, mountain that you're never going to get up. You just got to start and, and do a few of these things and your dealership will be protected and you'll be complying with the law. Great. Awesome. Very, very helpful. Thank you once again. You're, uh, you, you always provide um, clarity when, when it's needed. So thanks, man. My pleasure.
Well, that's it for today. I hope you found the discussion informative. See you next time. Thank you.